Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Way Church Service. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, I want to thank our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As always, for making this possible for us by going to the cross, becoming obedient unto death, shedding His blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and giving us a new life and a new purpose here on planet Earth. We gather here to learn about our Creator and to find our purpose here and to use it to glorify God, to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a specific goal and purpose. And that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we use it to see how God wants us to live, act, serve, think, and treat others. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Each part of his body is very precious to God. I want to personally welcome each and every one of you to the way. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish His will for our lives. And if you have a cell phone, can you please silence it? So it doesn't disturb tonight's service. And as always, we'll start this off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Abba, we come before Your throne of grace, Lord, humble and teachable, as Your children should always be, Lord. Help us to always remain open-minded, to listen to what You would like us to hear, Lord through people, places, and things, Lord. Help us to keep our spiritual antenna on all the time, Lord, understanding that you're with us in everything, and you are the one that creates all the things in our lives to get us to become like you, Lord. Help us to humble ourselves, Lord, to become clay in your hands so you can mold us and shape us through all the details of life into the image of your Son, the very reason why you saved us, Lord, so we could glorify you, Lord, Thank you for that, Lord, for giving us that opportunity to make the right choices and decisions in our lives according to your will, Lord. I pray for this great nation and the people in it, Lord, that you keep your mighty hand on it, Lord, for the sake of your followers and believers, Lord, and to help us to bring other people into your kingdom, Lord, by living holy, godless, godly lives, Lord, so we can honor and glorify you and let people see Jesus in each and one of us, each one of us, Lord. So we could really show them that we are Christians and we are changed by your spirit, Lord. And let everything we do tonight, as always, Lord, be led by your spirit and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to stand. Brittany, Jasmine, and Deb are going to come up and we're going to usher in the spirit of the Lord.
Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. How's everybody doing tonight? Oh, it's always a great, it's always great to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Well, it just gives me a sense of security that the world just can't provide. Amen. It really, really does. There's nothing like living with meaning and purpose in the will of God. Living your life with meaning and purpose, there's nothing greater to achieve in your life than the living for God. Amen. Nothing fulfills us any any other way. So we're going to continue on our study tonight about perseverance. But before we go there, look at that beautiful scripture on the board in 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's go there. How's everybody doing with the daily walk? It's going along good, I hope? Look, if you haven't jumped on the daily walk and you follow this ministry, please jump in. And support the daily walk. Everybody gets a chance to listen and read through the Bible in a year. Amen. Amen. Jump on the website and get on there. Support the ministry. We need we need support. Get on there and follow. Read the Bible. That's what we're called to do. And we provide that here so everybody can get that and grow spiritually. Because without the word of God, there is no spiritual growth. None. Is developing that deep rooted understanding of the character of God. And that's only revealed through the Bible. And that's through Genesis to Revelation. God's character is revealed through Genesis to Revelation. And if you haven't read the whole book, you really don't know God. Or you never will. You have Him by believing in Him, but you don't know Him till you understand what His Word is trying to say to you. Amen? That's the personal relationship you develop by reading the Word of God. Alright, First Peter chapter 4, but we're going to back up a little on that one. We're going to go through this to keep the context. Go to verse 1. 
This is an awesome thing, and it ties directly in with perseverance. Because once you get saved, the Bible tells us we no longer live for ourselves. We now live for God. And that's exactly what Peter was trying to say in 1 Peter 4, verse 1. And it says on the topic, living for God. So then, is everybody there? Okay. Now it's time to focus, put all your cares aside, and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Because that's who's taking over now, okay? Okay. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. Boy, is that not taught in church today. Everybody wants to go to church and get blessed. They don't teach you that suffering is part of the journey and a lot of Christians walk away because they don't understand why they have to suffer why they're not getting blessed thinking God's some grandpa genie in the sky that he saved me so I could have a better life. And listen, if you stay in his will, you will have a better life. But not according to your flesh, according to the spirit. Amen? Now look what it says. So if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Sin, What it's saying there is sin is no longer controlling you, Christ is. That's what it's talking about here. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Amen? That's what it's saying here. You won't spend the rest of your lives, the rest of your Christian lives, chasing your own desires. You see it? What do Christians do? They get saved, and they still chase their own desires when they leave church. What I want, what's good for me, what I should be getting, and this world has to offer me. And it says, when you're finished with that, you won't be chasing that anymore. And that's what spiritual growth is all about. You won't be seeking to gratify your flesh anymore, but to satisfy God in His Spirit. Amen? That's how you know you're growing. When it's not about me anymore, it's about Him. Why? The very reason why I was created. Look what it says. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You know, we see we've got anxiety. Yeah, you should have anxiety to do God's will. That's where your anxiety should come. That's what he gives us the anxiety for, to be anxious for him and what he wants in our lives. You want to get rid of your anxiety? Serve God. That'll take care of that problem. You know what makes us anxious? Our sin nature is what gives us anxiety and being disobedient to God. That's what fills us with anxiety and fear and doubt. Can I get an amen for that? Let's be real here. Look what it says in verse 3. You've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Now you become a Christian, you start coming up out of the world, and you start seeing the ugliness of what people think is good out there. And you used to participate in it. And now you come up out of it and actually see the ugliness of the deception of the flesh and the devil. See it? You've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. The immorality and lust, which we once enjoyed. Their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties. Well, the first thing people did when this COVID thing started subsiding is throw parties. That's the first thing everybody did. Let's throw a party. And they they brought this thing back all over again because they couldn't. Because that's the only enjoyment anybody ever finds. By getting drunk and finding parties. That's in Ecclesiastes. That's the only satisfaction people find in life. 
And that's just what they went for. The Bible is so clear, and you see what the unbelieving world does. That's how they get satisfied. And their terrible worship of idols. What's the worship of an idol? Worshiping the things God created over the Creator Himself. Like cars and boats and houses and materialism that the world has. Worshiping that as a success in life. By having that. The best of all that. That's an idol. We're going to break this down so you can understand it, okay? Because if we can't understand what he's saying, we can't use it. Now here it is in verse 4. Of course, now this is so true because it happened to me. Your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. So they slander you. That's just what happens. You come up to be a Christian. Oh, what are you now? Holier than now? You're a Jesus freak. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm not into that anymore. Oh, you're holier than thou now. That's what you get from the people you used to hang around with. They still want to do it. That's actually a compliment. They call you a Jesus freak, say thank you. At least you can see them now. Because if they're calling you a Jesus freak, actually they're seeing Jesus. So that's actually a compliment to a believer. So they slander you. You know what the worst thing you can do in church is slander people. This is what the, this is what believers do in church. They take that slander and gossip into the church and don't think it's a sin. God hates that more than you being drunk, doing all that crazy outward stuff out there. He hates when you bring that into his house. When you slander other believers or the pastor or the ministries, the Lord hates it and detests it. And Christians come in and do it all the time and thinking it's okay to do that. It's a sin and it's shameful. Because, in other words, when God tells us to come up out of the world, He tells us not to think like the world, or slander people, or complain and gripe. Now, look what it says in verse 5. But remember, they will have to face God. But guess what? So will you. Okay, you're a believer and He tells you to come up out of it and you still do it? You'll have to face more judgment for it, because you know better. They don't. Remember that. He holds you more accountable than they do after you get saved. But remember, they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news we preach was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. Amen? The end of the world is coming soon, you're telling me. The way that things look out there now, it doesn't look like it's going to be much longer. I don't know, I can't really, but I'll tell you what, things are, the birth pains are getting closer and closer to contractions. Things are lining up more and more. I mean, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's definitely getting closer. Because they said the end is coming soon. That was 2,000 years ago. Okay, so it's going to be closer now after 2,000 years, correct? It's just common sense. If they thought it was close then, it's going to be real close now, right? <laughs> and it says, because of that, Therefore, be earnest, listen, earnest and disciplined. You realize the one thing that Christians lack is spiritual discipline, and they think it's legalism to be a disciplined Christian, to show up for church, and to be accountable. They think that's legalism. They got it so wrong, the Bible tells us to live disciplined spiritual lives. And that's what keeps us on track to overcome our flesh. 
This Christian's got this free-for-all attitude. Oh, I don't have to come. I can come when I want, go as I please. I'm not accountable to anybody but Jesus. And their life is such a mess and unstructured for that reason. And you know the people that are structured come to church, read their Bible, and those spiritual disciplines develop in their life, and they grow spiritually because of it. Amen? Even when we start to wander, we're still on the right course. So when the season is over, here we are. We're not have to come back and gain all that ground again from living sinful lives, thinking, oh, it's do whatever I want. God's grace covers it. I don't know what Bible you're reading, but that God's grace does not cover sin. Okay? It covers sin, but it doesn't cover the consequences of it. If you choose to live a sinful life after you get saved, you will face more judgment than you did before you got saved in God's eyes. And He will chasten you and discipline you because He loves you. And He doesn't want you to live there anymore. Can I get an amen for that? There's such Christian Christianity is such extreme left and extreme right where, oh, grace, do whatever you want. You're going to heaven anyway. And legalism, wear the right clothes. Don't go there. Don't go there and do all these things. Instead of living a disciplined Christian life, reading the word of God, being accountable to God, coming to church, reading your Bible, that's not legalism. That's what God asks us to do for our own good. The worst thing you can do is live a casual Christian life. That's the worst testimony you can have. Instead of saying, oh, you know what? I got to go to church. What do you mean? We're enjoying it. No, God comes first in my life. And then they'll see it. Now look what it says. Most important, that's this ministry is built on this. Show deep love for each other. 1 Corinthians 13, this ministry is built off of love. Love of God, love of self, and love of others. Look, show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Amen? Why does love cover sins? Because love doesn't sin. When you love somebody, you're not hating them. When you really love somebody, you're not slandering them. You're not doing all the evil things that people do when you actually love somebody. When you love somebody, you build them up and edify them. And you correct them if necessary. People, Christians don't understand corrective love. God is very corrective the way he loves. That's why you need to read the whole Bible. When you read Genesis and all, of Re- all through to Revelations, you'll see how God disciplines his kids. He gives them plenty of room by leading them with the eye, but then when they don't listen and, don't, and they go against them, he gets them with the rod. He'd rather lead us by the eye than with the bit, the Bible says. That forces you to do the right thing. He has to cause pain in our lives. Amen? All right, thank you for that. That scripture is awesome, isn't it? Thank you. All right, so let's go, let's go back into our study of perseverance. And it takes great perseverance, perseverance to do God's will. That's what it takes. Perseverance and steadfastness and endurance. And that's why we're on this subject for so long. Because if you don't have this, you can't do it. And you don't understand why, I'm going to show you why we need to do it. Okay? Alright. The last time we got together, alright, we talked about a few things. The first principle, we do it, alright, let's define it again. Perseverance. Continued effort. Continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties. Failure or opposition. The action or condition or an instance of persevering or steadfastness. B. 
being able to hang in there through the thick and thin and just following God's will and trusting Him that His ways are better than ours. Amen? And that takes great perseverance and understanding of how God works. The first principle I taught on was the love and grace of God. You could always go back and listen to the other scriptures. We're not going to go back to them. The second principle I talked about was the provision for the race. God has provided everything we need to live His way. So when a Christian says they can't, it's because they don't believe what the Bible says. They are in unbelief. I can live a disciplined life like God called me to do if I choose to because He put His Spirit in me and gave me the desire to want to do it. And if His Spirit is in you, your desire won't be there and you won't do it. Bottom line. When the Spirit of the world is in you, you want to do what you want in life. So don't make, don't get deceived. There's a lot of deception out there. Christians think because they come to church, they're believers. It's not true. You're a believer. We know what a believer, we know what happens to a believer. They get transformed. They start become different people again. Just like the Old Testament. Remember Jacob? He was a scoundrel and a thief and a liar. God changed him and converted him and named him Israel. Okay? He was so different that his name changed. Apostle Paul, he was Saul, killing Christians, thinking he was doing God's will. God knocked him off his high horse, changed his name. He was so different, he named him Paul. And the people said, the man that used to crucify, persecute us is now preaching the very word of God. There was a transformation that took place. And don't think if you're a believer, you don't get transformed. Because if you don't get transformed, you're not a believer. That's the truth of the word of God. It changes you dramatically. And that happens over time, not overnight. Can I get an amen for that? But it does happen. If the Spirit of God is in you, it compels you to do His will day in and day out. And it never goes away, that conviction. You can go out and live in the world, but you keep getting that pang all the time. And that's the Holy Spirit living in you. Make no mistake about it. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, isn't in you, you get comfortable in the world. And you go back there and you live your life from my best life now. Truth is what sets us free. You want to know if you're a believer? Look back at your life it was before you got saved and see where you are now. Are you still living the same life or are things changing? Are you starting to think different? Are you starting to live different? Are you starting to talk different? Is something happening to you? Are you getting transformed by the renewing of the mind of the Word of God? If you're not reading the Word of God, then you're not getting transformed because your mind is not getting renewed. That's not osmosis. That's something you have to choose to do. Can I get an amen for that? And this ministry is all about change. Something that human beings don't like to do. We like comfortability. And we're creatures of habit, right? Even when you sit in church, right? You sit in certain seats because you get comfortable in them, right? <laughs> Somebody else sits in Oh, that's where I sit. Oh, really? See? We get comfortable. God doesn't want us comfortable. <laughs> All right. He gave us provision. Now, the third reason we talked about, does anybody remember what it was? Which one? No, the fullness of joy. If you really want to know the fullness of joy and why you were created, you have to do God's will. And that's why we persevere. So we can win this race and get the eternal reward now. And He's provided it for us. 
Now, I said before, a third reason why you should persevere to the end of your Christian life is for the whole, is that, is that the holy life is the only life that offers true joy and fulfillment. Okay? The carnal, worldly Christian, which there's plenty of, surrenders his great blessing for a mere mirage nailed in front of him by his flesh, the world, and the devil. While a believer cannot lose their eternal salvation by sinning, they can lose the joy of it. Amen? As David wrote in repentance after committing adultery with Bathsheba. We're not going to go to that scripture. Go back and look at the, the, the studies. Is it possible to enjoy the pleasures of sin? Yes. For a season. But it always ends in death. Okay? It looks good in the beginning. And it gratifies your flesh for a season. But the end result is death. When you come, become a Christian and live spiritually, it's called delayed gratification. The more you deny yourself, the better you feel later. Not immediately. And one thing we don't like to do is wait to feel better. I want to feel better now. I want to feel better now. How can I feel better now? Oh, maybe I'll go buy something. Oh, I'll feel so much better when I have... Oh, I... I oh, maybe maybe I should go on vacation. I, feel, I deserve it. I'll feel better once I go there. Maybe I'll feel better if I buy a mobile home and I can go all over the world. Maybe I'll feel better then. And then the payment book comes in, and the mobile home starts getting chalky, and, and the tires get flat, and the maintenance comes, and you can't go to church anymore because you've got to take care of it. And then it becomes more of a burden than a pleasure. That's why you see them sitting in people's driveways all dead, boats all chalked up, nobody... It was good in the beginning, right? Then it turned into an eyesore. And then they can't get rid of it, right? They're going to pay to get rid of it. So just looking at that stuff tells you that that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for you. It does in the beginning. You get excited for a minute. And then it's the next thing. And the next thing. And the next thing. And then you've got a whole thing full of bills and you're miserable than ever. And you can't keep up with everything. So we know that's not the route to go. And if you want to go that way, go for it. I learned from other people's mistakes. I don't know about you. Okay. So let's... Go here. Go to Galatians 5.16. We're going to start there. The full, when a believer walk, when believers walk or live by the power of the Holy Spirit or by the power of the Word of God, okay? The Holy Spirit power is in the Word of God. That's where the power comes from. In the Word. Okay? If you live by the Word of God, of the Holy Spirit, we are in fellowship with God and each other. Okay? The fullness of joy is going to start there. So, go to Galatians 5.16. Let's start there. Is everybody getting it so far? All right, I'm just getting warmed up. Here we go. Because it's the truth that sets you free. Not some watered down message. It's the truth that you need to change, you need to grow, and God saved you to become like Him, to do the good things that He planned for you long ago. Oh, oh, amen. And that's not legalism. That's a fact. Every Christian has obligations and duties as a Christian to live holy and disciplined life. That's not wearing a three-piece suit. That's with the right heart and the Spirit of God controlling you. Don't make no mistake about it. Oh, like, look at verse 5. Chapter 5, verse 16. Apostle Paul saying, So I said, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. The Holy Spirit is, let the Word of God 
guide your life. Listen, that's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the Word of God, and you've been able to understand it because the Holy Spirit lives in you. The book is now alive. That's what spiritual awakening is. The Word of God is alive now. Every word in here is true, and it's for our edification and to transform us into the image of Christ. So I say, let that control your life. The word, let the Word of God guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, how many of us still crave things in our sin nature? And be honest, we all still do. And the only way that they're going to subside is if you let the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, guide your life instead of your flesh. And if you're not in the Word of God, it's not going to guide your lives. And it's not just reading it, it's studying it, and then saying, okay, this is where God has me, I'm going to apply this today. Alright God, I'm on a mission to do your will today. Whatever comes my way, I'm saved and going to heaven. Now it's your will to be done, not mine. And it says we might have to suffer for His name's sake. Consider it an honor to suffer for His name's sake, because He chose you worthy to suffer. Now, it says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And that keeps us in fellowship with God. Go to First John. Look what it says. This is why it's so important to learn the Word of God and understand the Word of God. And so You have to understand the Word of God before you can apply it. Okay? You have to learn it. I help you understand it. And now you have the opportunity to what? Use it and apply it. In all the circumstances in your life, and God puts plenty of them there. Plenty of tests and trials. Any of us getting tested? Well, count yourself worthy to be tested. And you have a choice whether you say, I'm going to do God's will or mine. Because now I have the power of the word of God residing in me. See, the power is how much of this is stored in you. That's where the power source is. How much of this is in here? Is in your core. If it's not in there, then you can't use it. And there's only one way to get it there. How do you get this in here? Wow. Maybe I gotta go to Bible college for that one. The Holy Spirit is your teacher, and as you read it and grow, revelations come. And then you get revelations from here, right? As I teach it to you. It's all part of the supplemental faith, okay? This is just a supplement from your prayer, disciplined, Word of God reading life. This doesn't replace you reading the Word. It enhances it. Most people, you know, Christians will get lazy and say, oh, I'm just going to let somebody give me a message. How about me going and get my own message? Get up in the morning and say, God, what would you have me do today? Let me open the book and find out. If I don't open the book, how are you going to know? Well, I went to church last week. And I think I know. No, every day is different. Okay? Every day God puts us on a mission field. How many times the different things happen in the course of a day? Okay? Even our emotions are different, even though nothing overtly is different out there. You wake up eager to go to work and read the Bible, the next day you wake up, you don't feel like going to work or reading your Bible. And nothing changed. That's the spiritual warfare that we can't see. Those are the attacks of the devil. And people don't understand them. It's the spirit of doubt. The spirit of fear. 
the spirit of laziness, the spirit of lust. These are spirits that enter our thought process. And the devil uses them to trip us up. God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Spirit of power, the Holy Spirit. Love, power of love, the Word of God, right? And a sound mind from reading it and applying it to my life. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You have to go get it. But if you don't jump on and get it, you will never have it. You live a casual Christian life not knowing, why am I not hearing from God? Why am I not seeing God in these situations? Because you're not looking for Him. That's why. When you're looking for God, you'll find Him. He says, I'm not far from any one of you. Matter of fact, I'm in you. You say, well, maybe I've got to change my job. Maybe I've got to change my church. Maybe change. No, maybe i got to change. I'm the last person to get in that takes any accountability. It's everybody else. It's like, get the mirror. Say, whoop, whoop. <laughs> I'm the one that needs to change. Not the church, not the people, not the Bible, not God. My perception is warped from living in the world. Thank you. Did, I, did that come across all right? You know what happens? People come to church and get spiritually proud. They think because they come to church and they show up at church all the time that they're somehow above everybody else. And I don't have to learn anymore. No, the more you, more you, the more further along you are, the more of this you need. The more water you need. A small tree needs a little water. A big tree needs a lot. So you need to get fed plenty now when you grow. Because, oh, I already arrived. I'm, I'm going to go help people. And my life is still a mess. This is what people do. Because I've been coming to church. I'm still infected with my own lusts and desires. But I'm going to go help everybody else get saved. And find Jesus. The blind leading the blind. Can I get an amen for that? This is a real church here. I'm not playing church here. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you're doing God's will. You do God's will when you're not in church. When you want to do something and you say no to it and say I'm going to do what God wants me to do instead. That's how you know you're growing. Okay, look at everybody in verse 1 John 1 7. Look at verse 7. But if we are, if we are living in the light, not just having the light, it says if we are living in the light. Do you see the difference? Having the light is a one-time event. Living in the light is a process we do the rest of our lives. Okay? If you're living in the light, not just having the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus' His Son cleanses us from all sin. What is that, all sin? From a guilty conscience from sin, because you know that we're not trying to live in sin, we just know that the weakness of our sin nature that we continue to sin. So we don't have a guilty conscience because we're not deliberately trying to do it. Can I get an amen for that? People get this really misunderstood. We sin because we have it in our body. But the problem is, our desire is not to sin. When your desire is to sin, you still have that guilty conscience. Can I get any amen for that? There's weaknesses of sin and there's living in sin. It says if we're living in the light, which is God's way, if you're living in the dark, which is what? In the flesh, 
Can you live in the flesh as a Christian? Yes. yes. Even though you have the light, you have to choose to live in the light. That's a choice you have to make every day. You have to make a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God who saved you. That's a decision you have to make time and time again. And if you don't, you know we make a decision to do our will instead. Thank you, God. Give me a great day, please. Give me a Cadillac and a house. (laughs) Don't make my kids mad at me. And please just make everything good. Let me have a beautiful day. Then you get up and go out, and none of that gets answered. You get a flat tire. People are yelling at you. You're saying, what happened, God? You're saying, that wasn't my will. This is. Do you accept it? Everybody wants Grandpa God. That's why they'll go to the ministries that'll just teach them, oh, peace and love, and that's all you need. Just sing and dance and glory. And you're going to have a great time. And God, you're going to have everything you want here. No, as a matter of fact, you're going to get nothing you want here. Everything you want is going to be up there. You ain't going to want nothing here. Once you come to Christ, you say, I don't even want that anymore. If you still have wants and lusts of the flesh, you know you've got a long way to go. This results in the Spirit's fruit of joy in their lives. Now, go to Galatians 5, look at verse 22 now. Now we're going to see what the Holy Spirit produces. Or, what the spiritual disciplines that we talk about produces. Okay? The Holy Spirit is the Word of God. It produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now you have to see, you know when they say, oh, not to be a fruit inspector? No, inspect your own fruit. That's what you need to inspect. Okay? Don't inspect other people's fruit. Look at your own fruit. Because when you're inspecting other people's fruit, you're in denial of your own sinful ways. Look at your own fruit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Do you, are you full of love? 1 Corinthians 13. Are you full of joy? See it? Am I full of joy? Am I, do I have peace? Am I patient? Am I, am I full of kindness? Goodness? Am I faithful to what I say I'm going to say I'm faithful to? Am I gentle? And do I have self-control? What is self-control? Self-control is the power to say no to something that your flesh wants. And be able to do it. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Willpower is not self-control, okay? Willpower is not self-control. Willpower is of the flesh. Willpower is still wanting something and not doing it. Self-control is losing the desire to want it and no longer wanting it anymore. That's different. That gives you self-control. Willpower is, I still want that, but no, I'm not going to do it. And then you'll end up doing it anyway because you still want it. Self-control is what? I'm done with it. I don't want that anymore. I want what God wants. And now you no longer desire thing and put in front of you all the time you don't want it. It's like something you don't want. You know when you don't like something, you won't eat it, right? Like a piece of stale bread or something. You don't you smell something. I'm not eating that, right? That's just like what your sin turns into. Oh, I don't want that anymore. Even though it might come knocking, you say, I'm all set. I don't want that anymore. You see, that's the difference. That's what self-control is. Even though your flesh is knocking for it, your self-control says, no, I don't want it. Because now I have the Spirit overpowering that. It's not osmosis. It's something that has to be developed in you. And that's only through the renewing of your mind with the Word of God. The last thing people do is go to the Word of God when they're in problems. 
having problems. Even Christians that have been Christians for a long time go to the world to satisfy their problem, the anxiety, all these things. They go to the world to fix it instead of letting God fix it. Can I get an amen for that? Thank you. Preach my heart out to you because I love you. Because if I want to serve God, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be, be able to make a lot of friends because people of the world want fleshly things. And I'm not going to teach you fleshly things here. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you how to kill your flesh. Because your flesh is your problem. The reason why you can't follow God is because of your flesh. Don't blame it on anything else. It's because of your flesh. It's evil. You were born with it. Just look at the little baby when he wants something already. Nobody has to tell him. You don't pay attention to him. He'll start screaming until you do, right? It's the same thing with us. Nobody paying attention to us. We start a corrupt ruckus. Notice me. Me, I'm here. When God says no, what you do, don't let your left hand see what your right hand is doing. My Father in Heaven will reward you. That's when you get the principles of the Bible down. Not wanting to get recognized for doing something. Matter of fact, not wanting it. Actually getting mad if you do get recognized. Because you didn't want to get recognized. The other way around. You see, the dip, that's a transformation. The world wants, worldliness in the flesh wants recognition. Oh, you did so good today. And you want that gold star. You want to put it on the wall. Look at my plaque. Well, that would be nothing if God didn't give it to you. So you better glorify him with it or he's going to take it off you. And show you what a wretch you are without him. Okay. Now, it says in self-control, we read the gamut. This is what you need to look at. Is my life full of love? Love for God, love for myself, and love for others. You know if you don't love yourself, you cannot have unconditional love for others. Okay? You cannot give somebody something you do not possess. Okay? Now, are you joyful in your Christian walk when you're suffering? Or do you come to church angry and aggravated and let people see how dejected you are so they want nothing to do with God? Do you realize what you, how much, what you, what you, just your expressions, how they could damage a believer and make them not come back to church? Peace. Do you have peace in your life? No matter what storms are going on, the Holy Spirit is guiding you. Patience. Are you patient with God? Are you patient with yourself? Are you patient with people? Are you patient with unbelievers? The biggest testimony you can have. Are you patient with impatient people? Well, I'm just giving you a little newsflash. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. So if you're telling me you're living for God and you don't have none of this, then you're really not. Don't fool yourself. If you get aggravated easy or quick-tempered or always miserable coming to church complaining all the time, don't tell me you're living for God. You're living for yourself. You're being selfish in church. It's kind of an opposite. You're supposed to be unselfish when you come to church. Now, Look what it says. Now, that's what it says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, you have Christ. Do you belong to him, though, is another question. 
It says those who belong to Christ have what? What have they done? They nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. I am crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me now. My sins have been nailed at the cross. The reason why people keep doing it is because they forget that they were cleansed of them. First Peter tells us, you've forgotten that your sins have been cleansed. That's why you keep sinning. He took away your sins. Do you remember what it says? The Lamb of God who take away the sins of the world? John the Baptist said. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Well, He took away your sins and why you keep sinning? Because you haven't went up there and crucified Him. That's why you have your unbelief. Do I have the ability not to sin anymore? Yes. I do. Am I going to be perfect? No. Because this body can't get in there. This body is infected. From birth, from the sin of Adam. We know it's in our structure. But we no longer have to what? Obey it anymore. Now we can obey you. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do the things I say? What do you think? You said that on purpose? Said that for nothing? Or is that nothing? That don't apply to me. That was, that was in the, the Gospels. That don't apply to me. That was just for the Jews. Or is that principle for me too? No, the whole Bible is a principle for me. Because I am now spiritual Israel. People say, oh, that doesn't apply to me, so don't worry about it. No, no. Lord is Lord. He never always is and always will be. And if you make him Lord of your life, he's going to what? Crucify your flesh. It's the bottom line. And if he's not Lord of your life, your flesh is Lord. Okay? It's where it goes. And your sin nature is your God. That's what it is. What do you think the devil wanted to do? The devil wanted to be God. So he wanted to be God, so his sin nature is God. That's what now, now, now the devil wants you to have your sin nature as your God. Do whatever you want. Live the way of you want. God's grace covers it. I don't know what Bible you're reading. It doesn't cover it. It what? Condemns it and gets rid of it. God's grace is more powerful than sin. It's the power to overcome it. Not to stay in it. Read the Bible. How many is have how many is a week? How many have weaknesses in us in nature? Everybody has weaknesses, correct? And we actually feel miserable when we fail because, oh, man. But we know that we have this. It's in our DNA structure. But it's not that we want to. Remember, remember, Apostle? I do what I hate. He doesn't do what he loves anymore. When you're a Christian saying, I do what I love, don't go quoting Romans 7. He's saying he's doing what he hates to do. There was a transformation that took place. The flesh and the spirit was fighting each other. Now look what it says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, verse 24, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. Since we are living by the Spirit, or listen, living by the Spirit is living by the Word, by the way. Please, don't make the mistake. Living by the Spirit is living by the principles of the Bible, is the Word. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. What's the Spirit's leading? The Word of God is what's leading you. That's Jesus. Everybody gets this mystery. Look, the Spirit of God is the Word of God. And He puts His Holy Spirit in you so you can understand the Word of God and obey it. 
Let us not become conceited. He's telling Christians not to get conceited now, right? Provoke one another or be jealous of one another. See it. Go to Second Peter chapter 1. You see why it's so important to persevere? You see why we have to persevere? How long have you been waiting for some things to get out of you? Some of us have some sins in us that we can't wait for them to go, right? And listen, let me give you a little newsflash. It's not by your willpower saying I'm not going to do it. It's by outgrowing it. What you do is you no longer do it because you're doing God's will now. You're not even trying to do yours. You just outgrow it. You just don't do it anymore. You wake up one day and say, that's not part of my life anymore. It takes time, though. That's that's why it takes so long. You outgrow it. The more you say no to it in your flesh, the more you want it. You bring it back to life every time you say no. It gives, Look, the law gives sin its power. When you make a law, I'm not going to do it, is when it's powerful and you do it. That's what happens. I'm not going to eat that today. I'm not going to do it. And all you're doing is thinking about it because you're telling yourself you're not going to do it. Instead of saying, I'm not going to think about it, I'm going to think about what the things of God. So I don't do it. That's what willpower does. It makes you do things in a sneaky way. Now you say, everybody, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then when nobody's around, you go and do it. And then you live in a miserable Christian life because you're living a double life. Because you're trying to fix, you're trying to do only what the Spirit can do in the flesh. You're trying to deny it with your flesh. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But every time you say that, it's because you want it. That's why the law gives sin its power. Can I get an amen for that? And the Holy Spirit is what changes us into the image of Christ where you no longer desire it anymore. You won't grow and say, I don't even think about that anymore. I don't think about it anymore. Why? Because I think about the things of God now. Hello, it's not rocket science. I think of the things above, not the things below. If I'm thinking of things below, I'm going to do it. If I think the things above, I'm not going to think about that things below. Because my mind is consumed with Christ, not my flesh. Everybody thinks it's willpower. It's nothing to do with it. And everybody goes to the secular to get fixed. I'm going to go to these programs. They're going to help me stop doing it. And all they do is magnify it. This is my problem. This is my problem. This is my problem. Instead of forgetting you even had one. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It makes you forget the flesh and think of the Spirit. And this is why Christians fail with their sin nature. And they can't overcome nothing because they're trying to do it at willpower instead of God's power. And how do I get God's power? By renewing my mind with the Word of God, diligently studying it, fellowshipping with other believers that overcame it, and letting them help me. Instead, they go to the world. I'm a Christian, but I go to the world. Does that make any sense to you? I trust God, but not really. i got to trust the world. So really, you don't trust God. How many of us deceive ourselves? Really, think about it. I trust God, and then you run off to the world to get fixed. All these programs and principles, when there's only one principle. The Bible and the Word of God. This coming out and this going in. That's the only thing that's going to change you. That's the only shot you got. 
The Christian life is no easy street, that's for sure. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us. He's given us the help. Okay, go to this is the last verse, we're gonna close. Second Peter one. Second Peter chapter one. Look at verse three. This is he says it right here, and I'm gonna say what I just talked about again, backed up what the scripture says, okay? This isn't me, this is God's word. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And now, when you're overindulging in something, you are not living a godly life, by the way. You're living a sinful life. Okay? Now it says, he's given us everything we need for living a godly life. And how did he do it? We have received all this by coming to know him. Wow! That's rocket science. How do you come to know him? You have him when you believe. But you have to get to know him by reading his word. We have received everything we need for living godly by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Well, what are the promises? Read the Bible and he'll tell you what they are. These, now look what it says. Here it is. I just told you what it is. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature. What's His divine nature? Christ-likeness. Why? And escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. You have to get rid of them desires. I'm not going to do it anymore. Those got to go. You got to forget about that. Forgetting the past and look forward to what lies ahead. Think of the things above, not the things below. These are the principles that we have to apply when the day of evil comes. When what? Temptation, desire, and opportunity come. What are you going to do then? That's when you need all the spiritual strength you'll live. You might need to take 364 days to get that one evil day and overcome it. Fail to prepare? Prepare to fail. Alright, I hope you got something out of this. We're going to have to close now, okay? Thank you so much, and we'll continue with this when we get together again. Brittany, Jasmine, and Deb are going to come up, and we're going to stand and worship the Lord in close. When
Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Until we meet again. God bless. Peace.